Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Nomad Cloud. Our official partner is Global Rescue. Listen, traditional insurance won't rescue you and a medical evacuation can cost up to $300,000. The cost to Global Rescue members, just the price of the membership, which starts as low as $139. You see friends, Global Rescue memberships provide peace of mind with travel services designed for unexpected medical and security emergencies whether you're a digital nomad, expat, or family. Listen, do you have a plan in case of emergencies? If not, we recommend that you tune in to Global Rescue. And folks, I'm here with my son, if you're watching this on video or on audio, and the reason that I'm so excited about this partnership with Global Rescue is we are in safe hands. No matter where we are in the world, you know, if civil unrest breaks out, if some sort of goodness me, if I broke an ankle or something crazy and I needed to be airlifted to uh, medical uh, services to get surgery or whatever it may be, Global Rescue will literally send rangers. They will literally send the national police. They'll literally send whoever is there that's going to secure you and your family immediately. They don't make any extra questions. They don't ask you to fill paperwork. They don't do any nonsense. You don't pay for the services of being um, taken from um, this emergency situation to safety. They just do it. And that was one of the biggest reasons that I decided to partner with them for my uh, podcast and, and a lot of the things I'll be working on moving forward, even in a future event that we're working on right now. Um, and, you know, I just want to let you all know that this is the most important thing, person, project. It is my son. And I know anyone who is in either in a serious relationship with their partner or they have a kid, you want to protect yourself because that's all that matters. So if you are already on another insurance um, you know, company, you can still get Global Rescue. And it's very affordable to protect yourself when you go on these slightly higher risk trips. If you're going to be mountain climbing, if you're going to be in places in Southeast Asia where health-wise it's a little bit more risky, I would sign up for a Global Rescue membership every single time. I will not take the risk. So with that being said, I'm excited to announce Global Rescue as our official podcast partner moving forward. And let's get into uh, this week's podcast. Let's go. And we are live with Sharon Zachs. Sharon didn't think I could pronounce the uh, first name, but you know what? Man speaks French. A little bit and uh we'll conduct this in uh english but uh super excited to connect with you i think you have a lot of value to share with the digital nomad community the freedom-minded community and uh but what i like to do is i always like to start every podcast to set the stage of where you are in the world you know what city are you in what's the temperature what's the vibe kind of give us a check-in as to where you are in the world Sharon. all right i'm in warsaw the capital of poland right now it's uh, 25 degrees outside um, not too hot, not too cold, like perfect for like one layer, perfect for going out, almost no rain until, until the weekend. The weekend is going to be a bit uh, rainy, uh, perfect weather. <laughs> really, really See, lo- lovely city. Not many nomads, not many expats. It's, it's, it's a hidden gem. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we'll talk about today, different hidden gems you visited it is, but it's funny, though, this European summer, it seems to be a very nice place for people to enjoy and, and to escape to before the the winter hits. Winter's coming, you know. But um, <laughs> for me, I, I, I'm curious. When I read about you, I read that you started nomading two uh, two years ago and that you're and you sound like you're already a slow mad. You talk about 
conscious traveling or nomading slowly. I'm like, who is this guy's nomading slowly? You're supposed to do five years hard on the road, get your stripes, <laughs> and then you become <laughs> a slow mad. So tell us, how did you get into slow matting so quickly? Like, what is what is that about for you? And and so what made you become more conscious of a traveler from the start? Because honestly, it just doesn't necessarily happen that that quickly for most of us, to be honest. So I'm curious how that ended up happening for you. Well, I, I am a quick learner, just the way I consider myself. And I think the first lesson I learned when I when I started no, my nomadism journey is that when you travel fast, when you nomad fast, you can't get anything done. It's like it destroys mm. your health, it destroys your boundaries, it destroys your routines. It just, it just I was in um, I, I was traveling in the Balkans and I was moving from Macedonia to Albania to Montenegro. Uh, we're staying like four or five days in each destination. But I realized that every time I move to a new place, it's like my system uh, does a mm. restart. Yeah. Now, yeah. And I have to find a new working space, new cafe, new new restaurants, new uh, new gym, new friends, new, new WhatsApp groups, new, new Telegram groups. <laughs> and every time you do that, I, by the time I, I, I manage to get this done, I'm already moving on. So I'm yeah. not... I did not capitalize, so I said, capitalize on the advantage of finding the right resources. So I realized mm. that if I want to really uh, take advantage of what the city or the new place has to offer, I have to stay a minimum like four or five weeks. And yeah, yeah. then I took a bus from uh, Montenegro back to Tirana and I booked a, pl- a place for one month. And it was one of the most productive times of my life. I was actually able to get things done. <laughs> yeah, and I love I that. Learned, I, I think. Learned. Yeah, go ahead. And I, I just learned that lesson in a hard way. You know, this is the first lesson I learned. And and but it, but I think it's a, a lot in the community. We're, we're so hard headed because we love the lifestyle of hopping from one place. It looks cool on Instagram. We're all influencing, and uh, it's funny that now you know someone like yourself who's you haven't been at it, at it for 10 years, eight years, whatever some people have is still able to make that, that, that choice. So what is it that you do? And like, what is your daily, uh, you know, kind of work like that, uh, you know, that allows you to be able to travel? I'm curious because I know we always have different types of people. So I always want to learn what do you specifically do online? So I do a weird combination of copywriting and community management. So I do copywriting mm-hmm. for various clients around the world and uh, landing pages, emails, social media, uh, stuff like that. I don't have any specific niche. Um, and the other thing I do, I manage a yoga community on Facebook, like in, in, oh, in, in the Israeli community. And basically the business model is that they pay for advertisement. So they want to publish their posts on, on, on Facebook and on a WhatsApp group. They have to pay us. So uh, yeah. this, this is what I do right now. And I recently started a, uh, uh, some sort of coaching business for, for remote employees and freelancers who want to become digital nomads. Basically, I, uh, made, this, I made this program that basically gets, uh, gets you through the mindset of finding a destination, uh, booking affordable flights, financial behavior, how to carry your money. Uh, Wi-Fi communication solutions, all that stuff that you need to figure out before you go on the road. Yeah, but that's that's a new Got thing. It. It's, it's, uh, 
Yeah. So you hit two points, though. Like I always whenever we're speaking, I'm like, boom, boom. There's two things that stick out. The first thing I want to discuss we will go in order is the Facebook group and community building online. Right. And then after we talk about that, uh, then I want to go into uh, what you mentioned in terms of like people like work. Wait, what was the second thing you said, actually? Because there was two things you mentioned. Which one of them? Second thing. So first thing you mentioned. Facebook group management, then, you, oh, copywriting. Okay. Right. You said, yeah. you said uh, yeah. mainly copyright. Okay. So Facebook first, let's go into that. I want to talk about, and I want to give people actionable skills and, and things like that. I think some of the biggest, the best skill you can learn as a digital nomad as even as a business, because it is a business, business owners are paying, brands are paying to be on these pages is community building. Can you take us through a path of what that looks like? You know, a lot of us have Facebook groups, so we have 25 members in there. You know, these groups that I know you manage have thousands, sometimes dozens of thousands when you combine all of them. So tell us, what is the the angle of Facebook groups? Is it good for business? How do you manage them? Give us a quick run through of, you know, the power of Facebook groups, because I just don't think people realize how powerful it is and also how profitable that is. So the most uh, the most basic desire that we humans have is the need to belong. You need to belong to a group. It, it, this is something that I think Apple was the first one to really discover uh, this this thing. Um, so when you want to when you want to buy buy a product or a service, you don't really take a look on the specification of it or the, the features. I mean, you look at that, but it's like for some people, it's just the entry entry ticket, right? Uh, yeah. The the CPU speed, the memory, all that stuff. It's, a, it's just the entry ticket. What we're really looking for is to feel part of a brand of, of a certain company. Uh, we, we try to, to figure out what is the why behind what they're selling, why they, why they do what they do, as Simon Sinek said once. So when it comes to nomadism, for example, we don't just want to be digital nomads because that can be very lonely. We wanna we wanna be a part of a digital nomad or expat group or community. We, we wanna wanna do things together. We wanna share the insights. We wanna we wanna give some value to the people based on our. I mean, we discover a new destination. Uh, we discover a new co-working space, new community. We wanna share that with our people because it gives us a, a strong sense of satisfaction. So uh, it's like in a movie Into the Wild. You know, happiness is real only when it's shared. So we want to, our basic desire is to share what we do and what we feel with other people. And, yep. and this, this is why so many companies nowadays starting their own communities, even if it's something like yep. know, uh, writing code or something that is not really allegedly yeah. not community oriented. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Like, the, So you mentioned that companies start communities and brands start communities. Obviously, there's a path to monetization, but my question is, what are the activities? What are the kind of things that you do in the groups? Like, I, I know there's groups where people just, they obviously just post something random or it's like memes. But are there certain types of content or things that you're seeing on Facebook groups for digital nomads or even your yoga group that is helpful to drive engagement, that it's helpful to actually create value long term? Because I know that without value, people won't stick around. They won't click anything. Yeah. So what are some of the exercises, practices, you know, post engagement type of stuff that you do? So we can give again, like I just want to give people actionable stuff. What is sort of the things that you can do 
and that you do that you practice daily or in the groups that help to keep people engaged and also like you said makes them feel part of a community uh, in digital nomads israel when i was managing to get there we had a tradition called friday selfie just nice. upload every friday there is like a, okay you're invited to upload your selfie or your photo wherever you are in the world. So you get a bunch of, uh, <laughs> you, you, get, you get a big thread with a bunch of people from Thailand, the Philippines, Costa Rica, US, even Africa, Europe. They're all like posting these these amazing photos of the landscape, the sunset, traveling in the forest, or just working with the laptop at the <laughs> beach, some beach. This really get people together, this thing, because people were waiting for this Friday selfie. Mm -hmm. And if we were yeah. not uploading this Friday selfie, people would text me on Messenger or on WhatsApp. Me, me <laughs> being like, where's the Friday selfie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, so so it sounds like there's there's opportunities for people to engage, to, to share about themselves. And so, I mean, in a way, it's like, it's about, you almost have to give people love, like let them let them be seen. Like, again, like community is people wanting, being, being a community manager or knowing people growing my own community and people in there, I know that when you create a uh, an avenue for them to share about what they're working on, everybody wants to get involved. So it sounds like that's kind of the strategy. And if you can get enough people involved, then you get a more of a breath of like fresh air, like you get a breath of like different styles of people all over the world. That's beautiful. So you mentioned uh, uh, Nomad Israel, uh, Digital Nomad Israel and a beautiful yeah. community. Um, obviously, Dean is a friend of mine, met him in Bali, actually, funny enough, <laughs> before I left. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the biggest, a lot of people don't know this, it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest actual community like numbers in the world. And it's all out of Israel. That's, I find that yeah. fascinating. Do you think there's something like what can we learn from the Israeli community and like people in that group? Because it seems to be very active. It seems like there's a large number. What can we learn in terms of like how you can actually bring people together? Because I think there's something there. And I, and I mean to be very um, respectful and like understanding, like, how do you do this, you know, in terms of getting people together in one group <laughs> that many you people gotta, you, you gotta make them feel something because this world runs on feelings right it's all about mm. the emotion emotional connection that you build if, if you just yeah. give them sure if you just give them tips and advices on how to travel and how to get the right uh, credit card how to avoid fees that, that, that's also helpful but uh mm -hmm. the, the underlying line of all, all of this uh, stickiness that we got together that we already have as Israelis, right, is, is the emotional connection that we built. Mm. For example, another thing yeah. that we used to do when I was community manager is to uh, encourage people to upload ask me anything posts. So people would upload my uh, name is I was nobody for X years. Yeah. I like playing guitar. Uh, this is my sexual orientation. This is what I like. And a photo of themselves working somewhere. And you're invited hmm. to ask me anything you want. And yeah. these posts were like engagement breakers. Sheesh. It went, it went super viral. Yeah. For a while. Dang, you're you're giving me some good listen. I did I didn't do podcasts just like listen, guys, I'm selfish. I'm a marketer and I want to learn that people are doing great things. So let me let me dial it on that again. If you want to create engagement, if you want to have a successful community. Ask people about themselves. This is what is, is coming out with what Sharon is saying. 
allow people uh, you're simply a platform there to provide unity but to provide a space for people to talk and so it sounds like you're creating space for people to be able to have a positive mental health a healthy wellness and so i like to switch it up randomly and I always say things like well, what are the tough parts? What are the challenging or bad parts about a community? What are the challenges you face in managing the the Israel, you know, digital nomads uh, Israel or any other community, the yoga community? What are the challenges of that? Because everybody always sees roses. I like to talk about the thorns and the challenges. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the challenges that you faced, uh, perhaps like in, in this in, kind of. Just yeah. like in social media, when people people choose to upload only their positive side and you can't yeah. it's an impossible <laughs> fight to win because you you always yeah. you always compare yourself to people who only choose to, to show what their yeah. positive yeah. side aspects of their yeah. life yeah but before that i want to say that uh whatever you said before about this uh giving the stage to the other people mm -hmm. it's very accurate you're not a content yeah. just a content creator you mm. are a content curator so yeah you you give people the stage to come up and say whatever they feel like uh, within the reason of boundaries. And, yeah. and once people feel that, they, they'll, they'll connect you. It's just like when you talk to someone in a bar, you don't want to just talk about yourself. You want to invite <laughs> them to talk about themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you yeah. capture their attention. Yeah, yeah. The same goes for the com for communities. Yeah. Um, so, this is this to... is genius, by the way, Sean. That's this is genius. Like people don't sleep on this. This this is literally the emphasis of marketing. What we just went over right here is what makes people millions and billions of dollars. If you need to rewind it, rewind it, Sean. I'm just I'm just telling them, don't let this slip over your head. What he just said, rewind it because literally that's how people make a ton of money in all brands that are super successful. But I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So the tough part is uh, there's a few aspects of that. I think the first one is all the constant moderation, uh, being an mm. admin, approving posts. Um, yeah, the grind. Making sure that people <laughs> people are not sliding into personal attacks when things get heated. For example, there's yeah. a lot of uh, sometimes there's political debates because the political situation yeah. in Israel is not, is not so stable at the moment. So every time yeah. every time Dean upload a post about it. It always beginning. You can mm -hmm. tell by the way people react that they starting to slide into this left versus yeah. right, conservative, conservative yeah. versus liberals, and you have to just keep mm -hmm. an eye and you and remind people that when you attack someone, never attack the person, just attack the idea. Mm -hmm. But most people yeah. don't get that. Most people simply don't get that. So you have to <laughs> you have to put the boundaries and and. Talk to people in private and sometimes warn them and sometimes even remove them yeah. from the group if yep. necessary. Yep. Yep. And I find that that, that that people want to be so nice and like, but if somebody is out there, you know, ruining your group or constantly and listen, I'm a social media guy. I've I've been viral. I've I've seen the ugly parts of humanity. I've seen such ooh, ooh, we don't even want to talk about it. And and what I realized is is that. You have the right to block anybody in the world. If somebody gets into a space that is extremely uncomfortable for you, is saying hateful speech or negative stuff, please, everybody, use the block button because it's called a community for a second. It's people community, like people together. It's not about division. So I think, like you just said, there's a healthy space for discussion. But when it goes south, you, you need to shut it down before it really goes south because it's so funny. 
usually it's one or two bad actors but then somehow these ugly other heads start showing up if you leave yeah. it too long and i'm sure you've experienced that it's like they're recruit yeah. each other so i always like to share about those challenges and, and how to remedy them because i think it's important to share you know the, the the truth or the the reality of the situation but let's move on to some more happy daisies and flowers i want to talk about nomading slowly and this is the fun part where I actually SEO optimized this uh, before we even started. This this is going to be called a nomad guide to the Balkans so that when someone Googles it, it's probably going to show up even though it's a podcast. So there's another tip for you all if you're doing podcasts or content, name your the title, what people would be searching, right? But you've been nomading six years. I want to take people through to also push SEO and to make this very valuable. I want to talk about every single country that you've been nomading the six countries this year, Bulgaria, Albania, mm -hmm. Canary Islands, Turkey, Bosnia, and now Poland. And these are all very different countries and different, different mm -hmm. places that have unique culture, different people. They all look different, talk different, act. I mean, so I'm fascinated by your experience in these places. So without further ado, I want to jump into each one of them. And I'm sure we all have affinity for certain places. Um, which one is your favorite? I hate to do that, but which one is your favorite? <laughs> we'll start with that, and we'll go to the worst one. This, and again, guys, don't don't crucify me. Like, this, don't don't hate on this because I'm just saying what, what what an opinion of somebody. You can come at me. Don't don't come at Sharon because I'm just the one who asks questions. It's my fault. But I want to know what he likes the most and what he doesn't like as much. And then you can make your own decision for yourself. Sound good? Okay, cool. What's your best and your most mm -hmm. favorite uh, destination out of the six, Sharon? So it's a, a good question, but I have to divide it into two parts uh, in terms okay. of people-wise and landscape-wise. Right? Mm, I see two, what you did there. Two very different things. So in, terms of, <laughs> uh, in terms of people, I think my favorite destination is uh, Canary Islands by far. Because ah, there's something about the Latin okay. culture that I always was always able to relate it to as someone who also speaks yeah. Spanish. Also, when I was yeah. backpacking in Latin America after my military service, and Colombia was my favorite place because because there's something there the warmness the openness of the people that mm -hmm. is, is, is simply amazing. Mm -hmm. I feel I feel Love I that. felt like home there in in Spain and in Latin America. It's just um, yeah. there's a sense there's a vibe that I can just go and approach every person, every man or woman in the street, and just talk to them, just start a conversation mm -hmm. with them, mm -hmm. and there's no distance between the people. Mm. It's like everyone are your brothers. That's lovely. I'm sure they can rob you, but they can steal your brother. <laughs> yeah, be careful in Barcelona Beach and, you know, <laughs> where there's so many tourists and stuff happening that you better watch your wallets. But, yeah, I see, I see what you mean is the warmness of the culture and, and, and the welcomingness of uh, of the people. I love that. Okay. And so that would you say, so Canary Islands, that yeah. would be the one that because of the people. And you said also because for, for the landscape, where would you say for the landscape? I would say uh, it's hard to tell. Um, well, my all-time favorite destination was, was uh, in terms of landscape, was Patagonia. But I was not oh. a nomad. I, I was a backpacker. Yeah. Was after the okay. army, I traveled two months in Patagonia. It's a uh, it's a land of ice, fire, volcanoes. It's like every photo mm. you take there is like it's like <laughs> Instagram filter without the filters. And before Instagram. <laughs> It's, I love it's, it. I've never seen anything like that. It's like it's just like yeah. Scandinavia, but much cheaper. Ah, I'm liking it. Pat if you don't mind my ignorance, where is Patagonia? It sounds like it's an American Appalachia place, but I don't know. 
<laughs> now, Patagonia, Patagonia is basically both Argentine and Chile, but in the south. All the way oh. from Ushuaia to more or less Bariloche, Pucón. Wow. It's a okay, my, my Spanish-speaking friend right here just took us to another place in the world. I had no idea. See, this is what I'm telling you guys. Like, there's so many places that we you don't know everything. Be humble. I just got humbled. I didn't know where Patag Patagonia was. Um, okay, let's stay focused, Sean, on this uh, fun podcast with you. So, Bulgaria is the first one. I will be. I'll basically we'll go through each one of them, and I want you to tell me what is a memorable, what is a, a your favorite memory from each of these places. So let's start with Bulgaria. What's your favorite memory from there and, and uh, your experience? I think the Bansko Nomad Fest because because I've been attending ever since the 2021 Bansko Nomad Fest every year, three years in a row. Wow. And every time I go there and I stay the summer because this is the perfect place to just hang out with nomads and, and just get work done. Because after yeah. the Nomad Fest, it gets relaxed. And I was able to just sit and build my projects and my businesses without many distractions. And, nice. and I think the second best memory is that uh, we went to a hot spring in the middle of uh, the middle of the road somewhere. And it was a very <laughs> cold night. Just made a bunch of friends in the middle of the night. It cost like yeah. $2 to get in. And <laughs> we just spent a few hours there. And it was great. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I get I get warm vibes for, uh, from uh, from Bulgaria and, and uh, Bansko. Like, there's something. Listen, I and you guys know me. I used to say that Bali was the spiritual home for digital nomads. Now I think it's Bulgaria. Why? Because when I see the, the Nomad Fest and I see how loving, connectful people are, I see how happy people are. I'm like, there's something going on in Bansko, and I still haven't been there. I plan to visit and. Um, I just I just think there's some magic there. There's something going on in Bulgaria over there. So I'm happy to see that it's something that impacted you. Okay, number two, Albania. What is your favorite memory from Albania? Another Balkan Albania country. Is something really, really, really special. Uh, Albania. Well, it's like the wild outside Tirana. It's like the wild west mm -hmm. of Europe in a way. It's like the Afghanistan of of Europe in a way. Mm. Um, well, you know, it's something I can say about the Balkans in general. This, 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 this you know, small stations and no signs and nobody speaks English. And you have to kind of put the yeah, effort figure it out. To, yeah. to figure out where you're going, how you go. Uh, me and my <laughs> friend, where we flew, where we went to Greece, from Bansko to Greece, we almost missed the bus. We took like three buses and we almost missed <laughs> each and every one of them because, you know, the buses drop you somewhere. And you have to go yeah. to the other side of the station and then to cross the street and <laughs> go to another station every time. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. fun. It, it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun. And in, in Albania, yeah. I had the same experiences as well. Um, I think Albania was like a small version of Tel Aviv. Um, okay. Very, very live, very surprise, surprisingly yeah. welcoming, you know. Uh, mm. Beautiful park. Uh, people do speak some English there. And it's, it's like it feels yeah. like a very small town that is uh, on the journey of growing up and opening to the world. Yeah. 20, 20, 30 years ago, it was it was uh, unrecognizable. Right, this country was like mm. North Korea thirty years ago. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. could enter, nobody could leave, and and now it is becoming a tech hub, a normal hub, and it has so much potential. 
I think yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be the next crazy. In a way. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I hear I keep hearing about it. Albania, everybody's posting Albania, Albania. I'm like, all right, let me take a look in this area. And, and it seems like there's a lot of hope and a lot of uh people who see it as a place that could be a home for digital nomads. So we'll be sure to keep an eye on that for sure. All right, Canary Islands, you talked about it. Do you want to say something more about Albania? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So in Albania, um, I highly recommend, if you're there, go to the south. They have the most beautiful beach riviera I've ever yes. seen in my life. I see it on Riviera's Instagram. Between <laughs> Valore and Saranda. Uh, I just I just stayed there a week, a few years ago. It was a meditative yeah. experience. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, just beautiful. It's so relaxed. Uh, yeah. Not so crowded. I think it's the only piece in the in the Mediterranean, it's still not commercialized, you know. Yeah, I so the funny thing is, is like Bali and these places that get all over Instagram and everybody goes running. That's what I thought Albania had the potential for. I hadn't never been there. I can't say, oh, it's I recommend it. Everybody go there. I don't know much too much about it. I just know it's people where people are going and talking about it. And when I saw, but when I saw the water in Albania, I was like, uh huh. Okay, it has a chance. <laughs> the water looks crazy. It looks amazing. So uh, maybe one day. Now, we're moving to Canary Islands, something you've already mentioned. Clearly, you have an affinity. But what was your favorite memory in Canary Islands? Um, I think it was the uh, it was the New Year's Eve. The whole Christmas season in Canary Islands was uh, <laughs> was very much alive in terms of partying and nightlife. And I'm not... I'm not a part of the animal at all, but in Canary Islands, I think <laughs> I was yeah. temporarily like that. Uh, Where in Canary Islands? Because specifically, because uh, I, I, I promise you, Las, Las Palmas. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the capital, yeah, right? City, city vibe, but a small city, yeah. not, a, not a beach town. It's a yeah. it's an amazing city because they have IKEA and Apple shops. It's like everything you need in oh, a okay. little city. Very yeah. far. Pretty far from Europe, not so far from Africa, but you got everything you need there. Yeah, and, uh, lovely. The, walking at the beach at night and the perfect temperature. Very organized community. Very, very organized. Yeah. We have a Slack channel. It's led by a Dutch woman named uh, uh, Nika. And basically okay. everything you want is there from volleyball, frisbee, uh, nice. pub, pub meeting. Like it's, it's the most organized community I've ever with yeah i i got that feeling now is that run by Nat, nacho rodriguez or who, who who runs that specific community you're oh, speaking about there's a bunch of co-living spaces there and uh nacho yeah. and nacho rodriguez is running one of them and i got it okay it's i got, like it, got it yeah yeah okay see this is the thing it is sometimes you get a one-track mind everybody so again i i always catch myself i just correct myself i think grand canary i think uh, Las Palmas, and I think, oh, it's one spot. No, 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 no. There's like an hour between these two places that are very well known and structured for digital nomads. So my mistake, I'm very happy that we get to experience and see that there's variety there because I know that sometimes uh, we can think in one way. So moving forward, Turkey, Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> What's your favorite memory from Turkey? From for Turkey? <laughs> Turkey was my least uh, favorite destination. Uh, okay. Well, not exactly Turkey. It was uh, it was Antalya specifically, because of two mm. reasons. Uh, first reason is that nobody outside the nomad community spoke English. Mm -hmm. I felt yeah. like there's no tough. way to get to the locals at all. 
And the second reason yeah. is that uh, smoking, heavy smoking, is a national problem there. So every Ooh, place you go, people rough. are chain smoking all the time, anywhere, everywhere, Dang. all the time. Dang. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, to each their own, no judgment, but uh, you won't find me over there. <laughs> I think it's something where you have to, because I always talk about when I left Bali again, like it was it was a pollution issue, it was the crowding, it was the traffic, it was all these things. And I think we all have a choice, right? So, I mean, I respect that. And I think it's 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 up to everybody where they want to go. So let's fast forward to Bosnia. Let's see if Bosnia has a pickup for us. What do you say? What are you well, saying about I, Bosnia? I do, I do have a favorite memory from Turkey. Um, oh, please, yes. So as, as an Israeli, because Turkey is a neutral country, it attracts a lot of people from yeah, other Muslim yeah. countries like Libya, Algeria, Iraq, yeah. Iraq, Iran, Yemen. Uh, all these people, I, me as an Israeli, I don't get to meet them in yeah, Israel. On a regular, yeah. <laughs> so in Turkey, <laughs> I crazy. had conversation. I met a friend from Iran. We became good friends. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh Beautiful. From Afghanistan and Pakistan and Algeria, you know, you get to meet people who are, you've always been told that they are your enemies, but mm. that's, that's BS, yep. right? because they're not, and you realize that. that everybody is just the same. For the yeah. Dude, you're trying to get me emotional on the podcast. See, people know I cry. So when they start <laughs> talking about unity and love and connection, you know. That, that that's how it goes so but it's okay let's move quickly to bosnia before i start crying about unity and, and love <laughs> but thank you for sharing that by the way that was beautiful but bosnia so bosnia i i was invited by some local organizations to stay in a little town called the mostal oh which okay. is actually in the other part like? of bosnia where they call them herzegovina well, bosnia and herzegovina ah, yes. are like mm-hmm. two countries combined together in the same entity and uh, it's a small little little town, and we were five nomads, two from Lithuania, one Pakistanian and one British, um, hmm. just hanging out. And uh, they took us to see the mountains and uh, with it canoeing and uh, and uh, how do you call it, ATV, when we, we drive these oh, nice. uh, yeah. tractors. Uh, just so many organized activities. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun there. You, you wrote a, a medium piece called Could Bosnia and Herzegovina Be the Next Hub for Digital Nomads and Entrepreneurs? And in there, you spoke about the different phases about how the digital nomad movement works. Could you take us through that and like how you, you thought it you thought it out? Because I think it is very relevant. When you when I read it, I was like, oh, he's right. Phase one, like people show up and but I'll let you explain. Like if you want, if you need help, because I'm on the uh, medium now, we, I can describe it or you can kind of describe uh, what you spoke about, because I think it's very relevant into the shaping the future of digital nomadism and this slow travel consciousness. But break down what you meant in Bosnia in, in, in terms of what you've seen in other hubs and the phases in which, you know, this nomadic movement moves. So when I was traveling in Europe 12 years ago, I was mainly in, uh, in Eastern Europe and the Balkans. And I remember how cheap everything was, how mm. less advanced in terms of transportation. Uh, many people didn't speak English. It, it was complicated yeah. to get things done. But on the other hand, there were so many opportunities for, you, for, for, for us as, uh, as newcomers to to come and connect with the locals, maybe start a, uh, uh, maybe join the startup scene, get, uh, get uh, connect to investors, 
everything is like it's very open it's like uh it's like the rush mm. for gold in the states 150 <laughs> years ago yeah so, so when a country opens to the world it starts to in a phase where uh there's a lot of opportunities to 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 be to, to take to be taken a lot of corporations to make and the people who uh succeed the most are the people people who recognize them and take advantage of them yeah yeah for sure and then and then when then the con- the, the, the second phase, phase is that the country becomes so sort of mainstream right so digital nomadism 10 years ago was uh, uh we were the pioneers of nomads right you were uh, but then it started to become mainstream uh, it became more comfortable uh, more places had mm-hmm. more install more uh, uh, stable internet and Wi-Fi and more and more people started to take advantage of that and when a country gets stage two then it gets influx of people investing yeah. and, and buying real estate and uh, this is what happened to Croatia mm-hmm. but then yeah it, it goes on to the third stage when a country becomes very commercialized, uh, very, very expensive. It loses the authenticity that it used to have. Think about Western Europe. Think about Paris. Everybody wants to go to Paris. Everybody wants to go to Paris, Milan, Barcelona. Uh, It wasn't like that 40, 50 years ago when when, when the pioneers of of traveling were traveling. So Mm. it's it's like an ongoing game where you have to you have to find the countries that are still in phase one or two. Because once you get yeah. to stage three, it becomes less fun. Mm. It's like when Make you have again. It's like when you had a, a very good friend who used to go out every night, used to, do, used to be creative and autistic, and now he settled down, he found a job, and now you just want to stay in and watch Netflix. <laughs> He's it's boring now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You talking about me because I just had a kid. Come on, Sharon. Come on. What are you uh-huh. saying? I'm still fun. I can still have. I can still get down. I can still dance, shake my booty. Um, <laughs> I, I I agree with you, man. It's it's and it's sad that you that it happens. I mean, that's what I spoke about. Everybody got all their panties twisted about Bali and like we talk about not just countries but cities. And so, it is a a clear. What I talk to certain colleagues about is that this is a clear fault of actually uh, a lot of it majority tourism fast tourism this is why i love what you're 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 preaching you're putting out there which is like slow nomadism it's not even just nomadism because we know that can be fast too slow nomadism right slow madism as as they say as we say and i think the bosnia situation and and the things in place albania the places that are coming up they actually could surprise us and actually could do very well the economy could pick up but there's a danger zone people Phase three, Sharon said it, phase three. We actually should be pausing phase two and assessing where we're at. And mm-hmm. I think this element of slowmatism is something that needs to be implemented. So my question to you, since you've experienced it, how do you think we avoid phase three? Places, like you said, like Albania, maybe in five years, turns into a Bali. How do we avoid that? You know, uh, Bosnia. Is there a way to actually avoid that and to make sure that we're in a place where we you know, still help local economies, but we avoid this mass tourism that literally destroys the environment and, and, and the, you know, the venues, locations in which these people just stamp their feet. Yeah, I think that's the, one of the main challenges of uh, digital nomadism nowadays. We kind of have to, we have to find a way to find the balance between 
given and taken. Because if you come mm. to, for just five days, then you're mainly taking from the country. You're not really yeah, yeah. giving. You're not yeah. creating co- yeah, exactly. connections, the collaborations. You're not giving anything back. Besides, yeah. you know, giving some more money to the local Airbnb hosts. But yeah. when you slow down and start staying in place for three, four, five, six months, then first of all, you're paying the local prices. So you're not causing this gentrification yeah. when prices go up. Uh, you're thinking yeah. long-term, long-term, everything you do is long-term, long-term gym membership, long-term workshop, uh, co-working, long-term collaboration. Yeah. You get to meet new friends. And when mm. you have some skills to contribute, for, for for example, for me, copywriting, and I, I can go and offer these these skills to local, let's say, teenagers or high school students or university students. I've seen in Bosnia where there was a, there was an Israeli innovation, um, like a, not festival, but like a, a gathering, and they brought a bunch of mm. high school students to 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 watch. And I was thinking, mm. if I was staying there for half a year, I could have gave them some tools and knowledge mm. for yeah. my side as an Israeli yeah. of how we do that, which is yeah. better than just watching a presentation or or just watching a movie, a documentary about it. <laughs> I can get them yeah. to work on something. Yeah. So basically, if you wanna if you wanna create this balance, we need to find a way to connect with the locals and to boost the local, say, economy or maybe ecosystem. But to yeah. do that, we got we, we we cannot do that in a week. We have we have to stay longer. So the first step Thank is to you. slow down. Yeah, we got to slow down. I think there's something about there's a lot of digital nomad villages popping up and people starting things. There's co-working spaces, but I think that the element of keeping it focused on benefiting the locals first actually is something that's missing in all these programs. And actually a lot of people know I'm working with local Indonesian government in a place called Bitung City in Northeast uh, Indonesia. And that was the, one of the main things that we discussed in the program that we can get these nomads to show up. We got over 200 people on the waiting list now, and I'm super proud of this program. If you guys want to check it out in the show notes, please do. You can go to BitungCityNomads.com, but just to promote it a little bit is, you know, it's my podcast, but I think the biggest thing that we implemented there from what you just said, Sharon, is we said, how can we help the locals? All these digital nomads that are making money online, that it's just you wake up, you eat, sleep, drink the Internet. There's so many people who have a cell phone who are on TikTok. And I know 17 year olds that make $20,000 a month on TikTok and it's doing very simple things. Of course, it takes a learning curve, but I see so much opportunity for us to from the beginning as the foundation give back. And that's exactly what you're saying, Sharon. And I love that because it means that somebody who's coming in like yourself, who's a major leader and a community manager leader can help to do this because again, this is what I see makes trans transformation. And I'm so proud somebody else gets it, but um, I want to go to the last location. We, we could talk so much about Balkans, but I want to take us to cold Poland, but you're telling me Poland, right? Poland right now isn't cold. So tell me what's your favorite thing about being in, in Poland right now? (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, where should I start? Because I would make a very uh, big list about that. Uh, I'm in Warsaw right now, and I think it's a hidden gem because yeah. everything works okay. here. The transit works perfectly. Mm-hmm. The streets are clean. The parks are clean. Everything is super spacious. The women are gorgeous. The people are gorgeous. There you go. Single it's, men. It's you not, heard him. <laughs> Single no man. I highly, I highly rec- recommend you coming. <laughs> there you um, go. It's something about this country that works. 
They're like they hmm. found the right way to make the cities work. And, hmm. But the problem is that Warsaw gotten a bit expensive. Not to, really, okay. not worth phase, phase two. <laughs> it's not uh, maybe two and a half. Two and a half already. Five. Dang. Okay. It, it's becoming. <laughs> it's not. It, it doesn't feel like Eastern Europe anymore in terms of prices. Yeah. Like in the price I rent a uh, place here, I can rent a, uh, a condo in South Tel Aviv nowadays, which is not a cheap wow. place. Yeah. So I would say if you are on the budget, maybe it's not a good idea. Okay. Um, I think the only place in Europe that is still, is still, you know, give you a good sense of game arbitrage is somewhere between, I mean, the Balkans, uh, Bulgaria, okay. Kosovo, Bosnia, Macedonia, and Albania. That's the only mm. thing that is left in Europe that is kind of uh, giving you a good, good deal, deal for the money. Yeah. Mm. Understood. So if you can, so you recommend Poland if you have a decent budget and you're looking for, you know, the amenities, the Wi-Fi, the nightlife. Poland is a good place. I never knew. I think I may, maybe I had a couple of friends in Poland, but I I had no idea. And so it's nice to discover new things every day. But listen, I I, I know that uh, we're running towards the end here. I want to give you a chance to tell us about your program that you're helping, um, you know, remote workers become digital nomads. I'm such a fan of that. Cause I'm, I'm such mm -hmm. a bullish, like entrepreneur, like no boss. So I'm behind <laughs> you, but I want to hear like how, what you do to actually help people without uh, just predicting. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I was, uh, so when I started my nomadism journey two years ago, I had to do so much research online in communities, even in my community. Right. And I had to ask, and consult so many people and I thought I asked so many questions like what do I do what do, what do I do with my stuff what kind of credit cards do I get what kind of what's the mm. perfect Wi-Fi or internet solution uh, how do I book affordable flights uh, how do I pick a destination how do I negotiate an Airbnb how do I find local mm. accommodation I asked so many questions and I wish I just had a short program that would prepare me would guide me through the, these steps mm. and help me to just, you know, get get the things done and be ready for this journey. Uh, yeah. Both in terms of uh, mindset and the practical stuff. So yeah. uh, a few months ago, I came up with this idea of just uh, let, let's just create a course or one-on-one -on -one coaching program and just and uh, this is what I did. It's like it, it's ten lessons in which I take people who found a more job. Or people who are freelancers or business owners, and I help them to transition themselves from uh, remote employees to digital nomads, taking them mm. through their mindset, neutralizing objections by their parents and family. Um, yeah. How do you how do you uh, how do you maintain your habits? Book uh, choosing, choosing your destination. How do you deal with loneliness? How do you find like-minded people? How do you book your flights? which tools and apps and strategies can you use, like all the stuff you need to figure out before you embark on this journey. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's so important because, I, you know, people will either try it and fail or they're going to go through a phase we all know is like a grind and like, oh, man, this sucks. I want to go home. And then you get through that phase and you're like happy for life. And I, I think this is a program like people can do it so they can skip the grind. <laughs> they can just figure out right. the answer. So. 
um, thankful that you're able to help people. Yeah. Especially all the mistakes that I did in the last two years, plus other people experience that I read about in the Israeli community. I just got everything into this program. Nice. That's amazing. Well, we'll put it in the show notes and I hope that uh, if someone's listening is working corporate or they, they're looking to leave and travel the world, um, you know, Sharon is waiting for you. I appreciate you for your time, brother, today. And uh, is there anything you, else you want to share before we go? You live only once. And so if you have the thoughts of giving it, uh, giving it a try, the nomad lifestyle, I encourage you to give it a try because because it's easier when you're young. I mean, you can do that when you're older, but it's easier when you're young. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we always regret on the things that we, that we, no, it's not what you put it. We never regret on things we try and we didn't like, because there's, there's always hmm. a plan B. We can always go back. So if you, if you have this bug in your head telling you, scratching your brain, scratching your brain and telling you, to try it, please give it a try. Love it. With that being said, we'll see you in another episode of Nomad Cloud. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you so much.